you know your coffee thing, do you want to do a business course? He said, we've got a place come up next week, yeah. someone had pulled out, there's an opportunity if you want to do it. And I went, why not? I'll do it. I'll get the time off. Uh, and I was literally on the course and Combat to Coffee was born. I didn't even right. have a name. I had no slogans. Right. And, but I had a vision in my head. Since 2013, X-Forces Enterprise has been helping members of the military community to start their business journey through training, mentoring, funding, and ongoing support and connections. From service leavers and veterans to spouses and other family members, X-Forces Enterprise has supported thousands of people, many of whom have incredible stories of success and overcoming adversity. This series of podcasts celebrates their achievements and seeks to demonstrate what can be achieved when you combine the unique ethos and aptitude of the armed forces community with the right support network. The series is hosted by the founder and CEO of X-Forces Enterprise, Lieutenant Colonel Ren Kapur, MBE. So Nigel, absolutely amazing to have you here. I cannot tell you how amazing that feels, especially from a point of view that, you know, uh, we don't get to meet everyone because there's just so many in the X-Forces Enterprise Mm. family now. But tell me, what made you join the Armed Forces and uh, where I'm, I'm now transitioning in, I'm just become a reservist oh wow so, so that was a <laughs> lifelong ambition for me to uh, be part of the army but you joined the army and uh, what was that like I mean what made you do that so I was 18 years old uh, I went to join the RAF as a firefighter and uh, they said the waiting list was about 18 months so I went around the corner to the army careers office and thought well I'll try and be a military police officer yeah so I went in and told him about it, and the bloke said to me, and I'm a good friend with the recruiting sergeant now, funny enough. So I'd done the test at the time. It was back when you were pen and pencil. Yeah. Pen and paper. That yeah. wasn't on a computer. Yeah. Uh, 1991. And uh, he said, you met the, re- the required standard to be a police officer, military yeah. policeman, but what you want to do is you want to join your local regiment and yeah. then you transfer across. Well, that doesn't happen once yeah. you're in. So I didn't really know what I was doing and I joined my local infantry regiment right uh uh first battalion royal anglian regiment but actually that wasn't a bad thing because I never mm. transferred to the military police so I okay. done my role but I was 18 or 17 and a half when I signed the line went in when I was 18 uh very nervous and apprehensive mm. about what was happening because I had an uncle who was ex-armed forces and my family had done a sweepstake on how long I'd last in training. Oh, and I bless. think that gave me the motivation yeah. to, at the time it was 21 weeks basic training to finish yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. And I did. And uh, yeah, and I passed out in the in the July of uh, 92. Right. So yeah, that was, yeah. and it just, I just, something I wanted to do. I, I, I don't know where the desire come from. I was at Tesco's at the time as a training manager. Right. Uh, working on all the departments and learning yeah. how to run all the departments. Yeah. And one day I thought, I just want to join the forces. I just want to get out of this. Great. And that's what happened. Yeah. And um, how long were you actually, how long did you serve then? Uh, Twelve and a half years. Twelve and a half years. Yeah, yeah. Wow, so, that's quite an incredible yeah. amount of time so as well. 
So I, I signed what was called open engagement, so I signed for yeah. three years initially, then it's the 12 months notice. Yeah. Uh, and I got to my le- just over my 11-year point and I decided I've got a young family, mm-hmm. uh, that that was my time to leave. I wasn't really pushing myself for promotion or anything. Yeah. Like. I was a bit of a character in my regiment. I used to play a lot of sport and... Yeah. and and uh, yeah, I was a character. That's the best way, but a positive character. So, so being uh, in the army, uh, there must have been some highs and some lows. And yeah. you know, what were the highs? Uh, I think I had many highs uh, meeting meeting some of the people that I still am friendly with as a high because yeah. I, I joined a platoon. I was in the Corps of Drums, so we right. were machine gunners. Yeah. But ceremonial duties, you do drumming. Yeah. Uh, and some of the guys out of the drums platoon, uh, I actually met a football two weeks ago. One right. of the guys come down from Doncaster, and we all got together, and that was just like we hadn't seen we we hadn't seen each other for like years. Some of us, yeah. but actually it was like we'd seen yesterday, yeah. and that's a real family link. The camaraderie of the armed forces yeah. is actually something that is so so powerful and. You know, when I've spoken to a lot of our beneficiaries and people who are in the armed forces and have, have transitioned out, it's one of the things that they say is that they miss the most is that sense of belonging and being part of, you know, you just watch out for each yeah, other. Yeah, you, you look get, at it and there's this bit of a, a tongue-in-cheek brothers in arms. It doesn't yeah. matter if you're male or female, that's quite yeah. true. Yeah. And I think it's becoming more apparent now because of the the veterans network is starting to get a little bit of profile not enough mm. profile but it mm. is and i've said this the other week we're sort of 20 years behind america canada and and, mm. and, and so on but you are brothers in arms and and, yeah. and, and yeah it's, it's just a link you can't forge with anyone else yeah and it's such an important part just for society full stop to mm. have that because you know i think one of the things that it's uh, when when uh, I started X Forces Enterprise. I spent a year looking at different models, and uh, the European Bank of Reconstruction and Development—they've given out billions and billions of pounds worth of microfinancing to countries where they don't have the infrastructure like we do in the UK. We're really, really uh, lucky for that, but yet they've got a high success rate of microfinancing, uh, generally speaking, than what we do here in the UK. And one of the reasons behind that is that the community engagement is so important. You know, people look after their you know, mm. children to, you know, if you want a hand, let me help you mm. out. All of that sort of stuff. And that's something that is so powerful within the armed forces because that's sort of indoctrinated, you know. I've got an example from three weeks ago. I took the coffee project to my regimental gathering in Duxford mm. in Cambridgeshire. And I took my daughter to help out. My daughter's got a little part-time job with Starbucks. Yeah. Barista, so she, I can utilise her skills <laughs> with the coffee project, which Gosh, is great. great I do. I, I, I pay her and stuff because yeah. you've got to. And uh, we, I was talking to people. She'd done sort of all the serving on the on the, on the van. And uh, when we were going on, uh, when we were going home, she said to me, and this is the first time. My daughter or my son had said so. She said, I can see why you want to stay in touch with the armed forces. And I was like, really? She said, that was interesting to watch you network. And then she's seen me when I've been really, really down and poorly yeah. and with my mental health. And for her to say that, yeah. I think it's quite amazing, quite powerful. Yeah. 
especially it being your daughter as well. Yes, yeah. Nigel, you've just touched on something and I hope you don't mind talking about it because I really genuinely, you are such an inspiration. uh, Well, you are. And uh, you mentioned about the mental health and, you know, um, I know that you've suffered with PTSD. Do you want to just talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So take a deep breath. (laughs) uh, No, so I... uh, I've been diagnosed with PTSD. Uh, like we, we've discussed, I do have some poor days, but I have good days as well, and yeah. I balance them out, and I think the project helps me to balance them out as well. Uh, what happened was uh, I left the armed forces, and I believe I probably had PTSD then, but we didn't know it didn't exist then as yeah. it is now because uh, I left the armed forces and my marriage at the time broke down where my young kids were there. And it's because that trauma of leaving the forces probably didn't help me. But I was fortunate enough to get a career within the prison service so that that family bond came back again. Mm. Uh, But I've done 12 years in the prison service and I used to play lots of rugby Mm. in the community and and I used to play for the national prison team and been all over the world to play. It's brilliant. But when you play these big sports, you get big injuries, unfortunately. And I had a a, a quite a bad shoulder injury, but I kept playing for a number of years. I kept trying to Mm. repair and getting on with it. And I hit a point that uh, my my head of my humerus was really uh, in a bad shape. And and I was told I needed a shoulder replacement. Very young to have it, but because of the pain Mm. I was experiencing, the, the doctor... Uh, the Royal National Orthopaedic Hospital said, look, I'll do it. I think yeah. I need to do it. And this was five years ago, September. Right. So I had the uh, shoulder replacement on September the 18th. And I don't forget that day because I believe that's the day my life changed. For some reason, that sticks in my mind. Right. Uh, so I had that replacement. And then six to eight weeks later, about six weeks later, my father all of a sudden passed away. Right. His health deteriorated considerably. considerably uh, over the period of 24 hours, he had they done an operation, and unfortunately, he passed away on the table. But they got him into a induced coma, but he never really come out of it. Right. So that that happened, and then in the December, I was retired from the prison service, so right. I was given medical retirement. Now, at the 41, I was like, get in there, I've got a pension. Uh, yeah. do you know what I mean because I commuted my army pension into the civil right. service mm-hmm. I thought this was a result having a pension at 41 but actually it was probably the biggest it wasn't a wrong decision because I mm-hmm. there's so much good come out of that now yeah. but at the time it was probably the biggest life decision I made which finally tipped the balance with, with yeah. me so I left the prison service and uh, a bit of money in the bank mm-hmm. We're in, was enjoying times, but I was actually just sitting there not doing a lot. Yeah. wasn't focused. I, yeah. I started that uh, sense of purpose. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I'd lost my identity. Yeah, again, for when you leave the forces, you yeah. lose it, and I'd lost it again. I was it's so a important position. I had a very good job within the prison yeah. service. I'd, I was a, done really well. I worked really well, so I'd lost that complete identity, and uh, started ruminating on something which happened to me whilst in the forces in Northern Ireland. Right. Uh, and, and but that just took over my life. Yeah. And I, I did start gambling. I had the money because of my pension. I had a lump yeah. sum and I could hide it from my wife. Yeah, right. And et cetera, et cetera. But there was days where I'd win money and everything was like, get in there, yeah. come home, treat the kids. Yeah. And there's days where I lost money and that was a nightmare. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I decided I needed to sort this out because I didn't want to lose everything. Yeah. And I got some got myself some counselling. I paid for some private counselling. And uh, the woman, she was really good actually because she'd mm-hmm. worked within a prison environment. Yeah. She understood my role within the prison service. And uh, she said, look, I think there's, this isn't about grief because I thought yeah. it was all about grief. She said, I think there's a lot more going on than what you're really saying. And there was, but I wasn't going to divulge yeah. what had happened to me because you get trained it's weak to portray yeah. what has happened and so on. And yeah. and and so I and I just said, she said, Look, I want to refer you to combat stress. Mm-hmm. Are you okay with that? And I was like, Why do you want to do that? I'm all right. I yeah. just I want to sort this problem out, but you've yeah. helped me out, blah, blah, blah. And uh secretly inside I was like probably quite pleased that the, yeah. the counsellor was in with her but someone else would pick me up because yeah. I was quite scared and vulnerable what was happening next yeah uh, so I went for an assessment at combat stress uh, in Colchester and the lady said look I'll need to get you another assessment at Tira House which right. is where I went and the day I went there and, and met uh the psychologist will actually see me through my journey on two different courses. I had a yeah. same Shaheen on two different courses. That was like a weight had lifted. It was still there, but I just was an emotional wreck because I felt I was in a safe environment where I could talk about what mm. was going on. And I wasn't going into my specific trauma, Yeah. but there was someone there who understood. And yeah. that was, I think that was seeing other forces personnel walk around the building, ex-forces yeah. personnel. Yeah. And I think that that inspired me to open up a bit. So, I mean, this is really uh, important as well in terms of we talk about collaboration, um, but this is actually a really good example of that because that was uh, combat stress. Mm. Then I, I helped for heroes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you went on that. What, what, tell me a little bit about help for heroes. So I... And then your introduction, yeah, there, that's where X Force has come in. So, yeah, I uh, I done a two week anger management program at Combat Stress, then I was formally diagnosed with PTSD and I got offered uh, the six week trauma mm-hmm. program they do, put it off twice, and then I got told I had to do it. Yeah, so I did dinner, did dinner, did do it, <laughs> but that actually I think saved my life. Yeah. If, I'm, if I'm honest, yeah. when I was there at the last couple of weeks, I was a bit worried about what I was going home to because I knew I was recovering or I was in a better place. I've got my family and my kids, but I didn't want to go to nothing. Okay, so yeah. I contacted Help for Heroes in Colchester. Right. Because I'm a band of brother because yeah. of injuries through yeah. service. Uh, and they got me a key worker. Right. But unfortunately, because of my time when I finished Combat Stress, which was about 19 months ago, 20 months ago, uh, there was a break to Christmas break so I yeah. couldn't have my key worker for four weeks right so I was quite vulnerable yeah. but I eventually met my key worker and then I met uh, another guy at uh, the centre yeah. who's ex Royal Angling as well yeah and he does all the uh, business experience stuff and yeah. for the uh, forces employment agency yeah and and Tim got talking to me and we sort of built up a report and one morning and this how I got onto the course was the X-Forces Business Experience course. I was at a coffee morning <laughs> saying, I'd love to go into coffee. And someone said, why? I said, because there's no pressure. 
There's no KPIs. There's no measurable targets. Yeah. You go as quick as a machine. Yeah. Simple. Yeah. And if people don't want to queue, they don't queue. Yeah. That is it. And it was quite funny, and they were all laugh. And I said, seriously, yeah, it would be brilliant because you can talk, blah blah blah. Uh, and a gentleman said to me he'd help me, but he phoned me up, and then he went off. Yeah. The boil. And Tim phoned me up, and he said, you know your coffee thing. Do you want to do a business course? He said, we've got a place come up next week. Yeah. Someone had pulled out. There's an opportunity if you want to do it. And I went, why not? I'll do it. I'll get the time off. Uh, and I was literally on the course and Combat to Coffee was born. I didn't even right. have a name. I had no slogans. Right. And But I had a vision in my head. So let me just summarise this. You know, yeah. uh, you clearly, um, you know, did an amazing uh, amount of time with the armed forces. You've then gone out and still supported a service with, you know, the prison service, which is quite important. You know, during that time, you've um, needed some support, haven't really identified that. But then you've managed to get through with some of the support, whether it's the charities and stuff. And here you are having a coffee at Help for Heroes in Colchester, Threw it out there, you know, I'd like to do something like this. And here you are, just over a year later? That is literally just over a year later. Great. Yeah. Yeah. And the weird thing was, the guy who said he would help me used to drive for the Queen. Right. And he was like a guest, and he said, I can help you do this, 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 and this. So I thought, right, I'm going to take this opportunity. But he fell off the way. For some reason, he went, disappeared. Yeah. And I thought, do you know what? I don't need him. Yeah. I'm going to do this myself. And when yeah. I got onto the course, as I was filling in the work booklet, I was on my iPad registering with Company's House at the same time. And it's brilliant. Because I thought, oh, God, this has got to happen. Yeah. And when I, it was just mad. It, how it came about, it was mad. And then we come up with the slogan and we roasted, toasted and poured by veterans. Yeah. So there's a, a veteran doing some roasting at Fresh yeah. Mac who support me now. Uh, and uh, and it is poured by veterans, so it's yeah. complete end-to-end. Yeah. And I, I thought of the tagline, and the guy, Phil, who was one of the ambassadors delivering yes. the programme, uh, he was like, where did that come from? And I said, I don't know. He said, but that's a brilliant. That yeah. was like a, a, it's a USP and that's a selling point, roasted, toasted and poured by veterans. Yeah. It's- the amount of people who have started their business and actually registered it actually on a cause, yeah. like you, as uh, there's quite a few of them. We've got uh, John Geedon, the bees. Yeah. That all happened on the actual course. It's yeah. really quite incredible. And, and the thing is, I because I was so, I've got to get this done. I didn't think about it, so I registered as a limited company first, yeah. and I wanted to be a CIC, so yeah. I got it the wrong way round. So then I had to go through the conversion yeah. to become a CIC, which I've done now, yeah. which is quite a lengthy process. But I've learned so much, and if mm-hmm. we're going to set up anything else, yeah. I know now just to research before I do it. So, um, the, what what advice would you give to others who are even? thinking about even if it's an idea because you could have gone on the business course right Nigel and made a decision that actually this isn't the right time for me or Mm. this isn't going to this isn't what you want to do it's not a foregone slam dunk that you've come on a program and you must start your own business what would what what would your advice be make sure you've got your business idea in your head before you start anything. Yeah. Well, I had an idea, but that is multiplied 
mm-hmm. so much since there. So record your original idea and don't mm-hmm. try and do too much too soon. Mm-hmm. And and fortunately for me, I've got someone who can rein me in a bit now yeah. and sort of say, look, get this stage done and then go on to the next stage because momentum is such a great thing in business, but that could actually be the biggest obstacle as well because if you go too fast, mm-hmm. too quick, that could be its own hurdle. Yeah, and um, I'm a really big advocate of you know uh, making sure that you've got a safety net around you and that's one of the things that was really important in fact it was because there was the lack of safety net and you know peer-to-peer knowledge exchange and support systems for what other people were doing that made me want to make sure that x-forces enterprise had that for its people because you know it's not just about the finances not just about uh, you know some tools and knowledge mm. it's also about you don't know what you don't know and what support you need at day one is very different to day you know 12 months on yeah yeah say. definitely so uh do you have a, a support system around you yeah i do uh I, i'm quite fortunate i, I suppose i've got uh, i've just appointed a gentleman who's become part of the project uh very successful businessman, retired, ex-Royal Navy. Yeah. His son is currently the captain of HMS Richmond. Right. So he's a serving captain now. Brilliant. Uh, and Paul, I met him through the Not Forgotten Association. I went to Christmas tea at St. Yeah. James's Palace and he was the trustee of my table. I told him, oh, I'm doing this project, blah, blah, blah. And he lived in Ipswich as well. Yeah. He said, well, let's have a, let's have a chat about it. Yeah. And he's just been giving me business knowledge. Yeah. And he's had a successful companies. Uh, yeah. a, a, remember Puffer Jackets? Yes, I used to own that company. <laughs> so yeah. he's obviously a successful yeah. businessman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of, but he's sort of just said, look, giving me some ideas. And yeah. for an example, uh, my, my 14th of October is my year anniversary. Yeah. So what Paul has suggested is, is that we change our, because that's when you should file your accounts on year yeah. one. So you can change every five years you can change a date yeah. for tax filing yeah. so we're changing it to the end of March yeah. so we go exactly. in line with the tax year yeah. Yeah. which then actually Just, gives us six more months yeah. to make sure that the business accounts are sorted and sustainable yeah. because that I can see that can be the biggest hurdle when you're starting up a company so that's that's really important to know that any of our beneficiaries has access to support yeah. and a trusted advisor yeah, definitely, yeah? Yeah. and also you know the support that you've got through the team in Birmingham and Dax Dax, yeah, Dax yeah. the famous Dax <laughs> in Birmingham now I don't want us to lose the essence of something that really resonates so much with me and uh, that is it's great coffee. It's amazing. And you're, you're only a year in. You're getting it out there. And there's more that can be done. But your business has a real social value. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Because it's not just about great coffee. No, that's just the platform. Mm-hmm. That is the coffee is the platform to the real business. So the original idea, which is sort of grown quite considerably I wanted to go and work in custody yeah with veterans in custody because the likelihood is and having seen that I uh, managed an offender management department in the prison service so that these guys and girls in custody of Mm post-conflict 
left the forces, got into a bit of trouble, probably through drugs and alcohol, mm. potentially. Then they offend to feed the habit. Yeah. They get a little slap on the wrist and they re-offend to feed the habit. And that then gets to a community sentence and eventually yeah. they end up in custody. So there's probably some undiagnosed mental health stuff going on. Yeah. So what I wanted to do was to, which we're doing, is going to go into custody. Yeah. Uh, and we either do a, a two or three week program, and the three week program consists of uh, getting to know you, action planning. Mm-hmm. So we will do. I don't know if you've heard of something called the Outcomes Star, Independent Star. Yeah. So it looks at the six key areas which affect veterans and armed forces personnel. Yeah. So we action plan. We then do a barista program. So all fun teaching them about making coffee. What is a, what types of coffee bean they are, yeah. there are, how to texture milk, or how to clean the machine. So they do a proper Brilliant. barista skills program. So that's an MVQ level two. Mm-hmm. I'm just registering to be my own education centre. Great. So they will formally award that MVQ certificate ourselves. Uh, we then do a uh, like look forward to release day. So I yeah. say, right, if wave a wand what will successfully put you back into the community. Yeah. Now, some of that will be unachievable, but mm-hmm. actually there'll be a lot on that list probably which we can right. help achieve. Yeah. Uh, we then do a first aid course, mm-hmm. uh, and then we do some more action planning mm-hmm. about linking into their uh, community offender managers to make sure that their licence is fit for purpose on release. Right. So they, they can go into the community knowing... That if they've got if they're coming to work for the project, they're not got to see their offender manager twice a week. So and 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 all of those things are so so important because it's making societal change. Yeah. But it's important to also to know that it's this that's giving it's buying the project and engaging with the project is is the route to making those changes. Yeah. And it's so important that you know this is a massive plug combat uh, to coffee it's not just about great coffee it is about actually societal change and it's so important to to recognize that we can't do the stuff that we do unless there is a profit to be able to do that so you know well done i i'm just a yeah nigel it's just super 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 awesome and you know the other thing that really resonated with me is that coming uh, to your uh, uh, coffee, mobile coffee. And it's not just about buying a cup of coffee, it's also about having a chat. And you've helped so many people just by having a chat, you know? And that is priceless. And yeah, and, and I always carry, when we're doing the mobile, the projects, I always carry my card and I have met someone through, I've worked with someone quite intensely where you give have that conversation coffee breeds conversation yeah and if it's good coffee coffee they definitely it does breed conversation and um, we have a simple a-frame outside our uh, one of our uh, uh, mobile places and we just say if you're a veteran or a family member and you want to chat please ask right because that just opens that engagement straight mm-hmm. away and people say veterans what well, then you explain the project mm-hmm. Because the families are involved in this as well. Because mm-hmm. when I was poorly, my kids struggled, my wife struggled, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So yeah. I've kept the whole project to families as well. But no, you you can give your card out, and because sometimes they won't talk to you there. Yeah. But if you give them a contact number, it's down to them Brilliant. to call you. But you do get situations where people will 
talk to yeah. you there. And I, I was saying to you earlier, I had a situation only at the weekend where a lady got quite emotional. She wasn't from the, the forces network. She yeah. was, uh, but she was full of admiration of the project and she mm. had some concerns herself and she, she started to divulge and, and share those. Uh, and uh, I sort of helped and I said, look, well done for yeah. sharing that with me. And, and that's the first step to obviously now go and get some help. And I signposted her and told her where she should go to get some support. And her husband was XRF actually. Well, and, there you go. She yeah, said, so, you so go. she is connected. And, <laughs> yes, she is. <laughs> uh, after a bit of banter between me and him, I did say he did say this is the most she's opened up in many months. Yeah. And I was a complete independent, but obviously because I think some of it because of my journey, it's a safe pair of ears. Yeah. As such, I get it. I really do get it, and I think it's so important that you know. For other people to open up, you've got to be that willing to do that yourself and it does encourage mm. and it's that domino effect. So amazing and well done. So your final plug, if there's one thing that, you know, uh, with if we could have a little magic wand for <laughs> you, what would that be? Well, because of the coffee and we've got a tea coming on board as well and we're looking at an instant coffee, I'd love to get in front of a buyer with like yeah. a major retailer and Great. put the pitch to them see if they'd go and because of the social value aspect and the donations of every bag sold would represent somebody else and support someone else that would be good let's see if we can make that happen the knock-on effect you know great coffee and great community engagement if we can uh, get that little wand and make that magic yeah, happen that would be amazing yeah thank, thank you. you thank no, you very thank much you. X-Forces Enterprise is the leading organisation supporting the military into business and enterprise learning in the UK, providing training, mentoring, networking and government-backed loans for startup businesses. Our microfinance success rate is over 90% and reflects the handrail of support our beneficiaries receive. X-Forces Enterprise's model of support reflects the ethos and values of the armed forces by providing a community and a sense of belonging. As a member of the Army Reserves and an entrepreneur since an early age, these are values I hold dear. I also believe that enterprise skills are life skills, whether you are starting your own business, preparing for employment or volunteering. X-Forces Enterprise have helped equip thousands for the next path in life. If you are a member of the Armed Forces community and want to find out how X-Forces Enterprise can support your discovery and journey into enterprise, please visit us on x-forces.com. That's the letter x-forces.com.